0: Hello women of strength. We have an amazing episode for you today, but first I want to talk just a little bit about postpartum depression. Studies show that 1 in 7 new mamas will develop postpartum depression. It's scary and a topic that doesn't really get discussed about a lot. So before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about our podcast sponsor and partner Happiest Baby. As you guys know from listening to the VBAC link, this podcast means so much to me. I love every single one of you. I know that's hard to believe because I don't personally know every single one of you, but it is true. I love this community so much and it means so much to me that Dr. Harvey Karp and his company Happiest Baby are such big supporters of VBAC and are supporting our mission. One of their biggest products that people may know or have heard of is called the Snoo. This new is an amazing baby bed that can truly help many mamas out there during their postpartum journey, especially if you were like me and have a husband or a partner that has to go right back to work and are left with these amazing, cute, snuggly babies, but also exhausted. Whether you've had a C-section or a vaginal birth for those few days, and let's be honest, probably months, you're just exhausted. I was in pure survival mode. So many people refer to this new as the mama helper who's there to help soothe your baby so you can just get a few more hours of sleep. They even have a rental program, which I think is pretty awesome, so you don't actually have to buy the bassinet. As I started learning more about Dr. Carp and his mission, I just love learning that he is so passionate about reducing postpartum depression in parents. They even got FDA approval, which I believe is the only bassinet or baby bed that has been FDA approved. It's also been known for reducing SIDS in babies as well. I asked our community for their reviews of SNOO, and I was overwhelmed by the positive responses. I just wanted to say thank you to Dr. Carp for creating the SNOO and helping millions of mamas sleep for just a few more hours at night so we can continue bonding with our babies and having a better postpartum experience. Thank you, Happiest Baby. Hello, hello! You are listening to the VBAC Link, and we have another story for you today. We have our friend Carlise, and she is she's well. She's been from all over the place, but she's in Texas currently. And this is where you had your your VBack is in Texas.
1: Yeah. So both of my pregnancies have been here in uh, Texas, El Paso.
0: Okay, perfect. So yes, yeah, so she had um, a VBack in Texas, and she had kind of a wild journey, kind of similar to, I want to say maybe a month or two ago, I want to say it was like maybe Morgan, where she had to sign an AMA and leave while in active labor. And so we are going to talk a little bit about AMAs today as well, in addition to her back, because it's something that we don't talk about a ton. And if you don't know what AMA is, it's an admit. Adve- oh my gosh, adve- <laughs> against if I could speak, against medical advice. And that is a it's a form that we would have to sign to pretty much say like, we are leaving against medical advice. But sometimes we are put in situations, and I'll share a story that I've been to as a doula where we feel that we have to sign these AMAs. And in this situation, you know, you signed the AMA and, and went on to another hospital and and had a, a back and a different experience. So, we'll talk a little bit about AMAs. But first, we have a review of the week, as always. And just a reminder if you haven't left a review, we would love your review. You can leave it on Apple Podcasts, on Google. You can just search the VBAC link on Google, or you can email us at vbacklink.com, info at thevbacklink.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We love your reviews. This is from Runner VT and it says, this podcast helped me get my VBAC. It says, I started listening to the back link to process my 2020 cesarean due to breach presentation. It helped me so much to hear women put into words all that I had thought and felt. Then I listened to a preparation for my back today, 8722, and there were times I thought my back was slipping away, but I was able to be prepared and get a little lucky and pushed out my nine pound baby in 48 minutes with no tearing. It says, thank you so much. And talk about the feeling of superhuman. Thank you so much, Julie and Megan. I love that superhuman. You guys are all superhumans. Birth is just so wild. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Or at least like, it's, it is such a crazy experience, but it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. And It is crazy to think how different births can be. 100%. Between crazy. Yes. Boy, between like one baby to another, or say you even have five babies and you're like, oh yeah, this has been the same. Like I have a friend that has had her fifth baby and she was like, okay, I've had easy peasy births, all these things. And her fifth baby was a cesarean. And she was like, that came out of left field. Like I she It was like a whole crazy thing. She was really sick and baby was really tangled in her court. But yeah, it's wild. It's wild to think just how the unexpected can happen. And so I think it is so important to listen to stories just like the one we're going to be sharing today and all of the stories on the podcast so you can get a better grasp and understanding of childbirth and how it looks and the interventions and all the things that can happen in childbirth. And sometimes it's really hard to listen to those cesarean stories Mm -hmm, for sure, because you're not wanting another cesarean. Or if you're a first-time mom listening to the podcast, which we do have first-time parents listening to the podcast, it's hard to want to listen to those because that's not what you're preparing for, or it's not what you think would ever happen. But like 90% of us on this podcast we didn't think a cesarean would happen either. And so it's so, so, so important for us to learn all the ways of birth and all the things that can come come at us. I, we're going to get to your story, but I would love to know if you have anything that you'd like to add in the beginning of advice to the parents listening.
1: You know, I think just doing as much research as you can possibly do and know that, you know, you may have some pushback in, you know, getting your back or just like the birth that you want in general,
2: mm-hmm. but, you
1: know, be confident in that research and also share that with your spouse or your support and let them know that like, Hey, this can happen or, you know, these are choices that we might have to make. So that way everybody's educated and everybody goes in the room knowing what can happen because anything can prep for all of it, but you got it and it'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yep. I
2: love it. You are tuned into the VBAC link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC link offers blogs, resources and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan.
0: Hey everyone. This is Megan. Preparing for my VBA2C was pretty lonely at times. This is why I, along with Julie, created a Facebook community for all the parents preparing for their VBACs. You can find the link to the community in the episode notes today, or head over to facebook.com and search the VBACLink link community. This is our safe space to share our stories, tips, and advice on how to achieve a VBAC and ask each other questions. Just remember, studies show 60-80% to 80% of people who attempt a VBAC will be successful. We're here for each other on this journey. To join... Go over to facebook.com and search the feedback link community and start feeling the love and support today. Okay, well, we are going to get into this story, but first I just want to quickly introduce you a little bit more. We talked about that you're in Texas, but you're from a small town in Missouri where you met your husband right after high school, which is so awesome. And you guys have been married six years, lived in Alabama, Germany, now Texas, and your stay-at-home mama providing mm-hmm. stability for your girls, which you have the two girls, right? <laughs> what are their ages? Yeah,
1: so my oldest daughter is two and then we just had Amelia last month. so they're almost exactly two years.
0: Two apart. years apart. Oh, that's so awesome. So awesome. And your husband is an active duty pilot. Yes. He flies Apaches. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's so awesome. That's really, really cool. Well, I am so grateful for you being with us today. And I would love to turn the time over to you to share your feedback story. All
1: right. So like my first pregnancy was, you know, super uncomplicated. There wasn't any issues throughout the entire time. We actually got pregnant in Germany. And then when we were PCSing or moving back to the States, it was like 17 weeks but we didn't have any issues. And then we got to about 34 weeks Mm -hmm. and baby was breech. And then Ah. they're like, no, no, it's good. It's good. Baby can flip, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm over here planning my vaginal birth, like no problem. I have all this research done. And then 35 weeks still breech 36 weeks. Yep. Still breech. And they gave me all the things, you know, ECV, moxibustion, spinning babies, chiropractic care, But it was like right in the middle of COVID. So, you know, I couldn't do chiropractic care. I couldn't do acupuncture. So I tried all the things, but she just wanted to be like a little taco. (laughs) She's my little Frank Breach baby. And so we scheduled a C-section for 40 weeks and then she wanted to come at 38 and four. So we had gone in because I had a very, very slow leak. And okay. Uh it was slow enough to where I was like, okay, like, is this, is this my water? Is it not my water? And yeah, sure enough. So when we got in, we had to wait a few hours because I had eaten that morning. And so then we had a pretty uncomplicated C-section. The spinal took like multiple different tries. So that was horrible. Oh, the drape yeah. was like at my collarbone. So I didn't get skin to skin after.
0: Yeah.
1: And like, it's just like all the medication just made me super foggy and I don't straight straight up. Don't remember the first two hours of my daughter's life. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. remember latching her for the first time. And that was just, it's still really rough because that's not the experience I wanted (laughs) at all. Um, So when I got pregnant again, 14 months later, honestly, I walked into it a little naive because Mm -hmm. when I had done my research for my first pregnancy, you know, I wanted that vaginal birth. I had seen information on VBAC a lot, actually, while I was doing some of my research. And I just kept seeing that, you know, it was, it was a good thing. And, you know, like it was recommended by, Mm -hmm. you know, ACOG or whatever. And so I just kind of thought that that was like normal. Right. You didn't even question (laughs) it. You're like, okay, great. I didn't even, didn't even think about it. And so... When I was trying to make my appointment on post, because we have Tricare Prime and you have to be seen on post, they were like, yeah, no, we can't get you in until 17 weeks, till you're 17 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. And so they kind of pushed me into the network off post. And that's actually kind of what I wanted. But little did I know the military hospital is the most feedback friendly and I didn't know that at the time. So I had chosen an OB that everybody was like, he's great. He's so good. And I was like, awesome. So my first appointment with him, he was, he sounded so supportive. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you sound like a really good candidate. He looked at my op report. And so I was feeling really good about it. And then every consecutive appointment with him, I think I had three legit appointments he just kept saying you know c-section this c-section that whenever you want to schedule a c-section and so i'm over here like yeah i have mm-hmm. a sneaking suspicion this is going to be a bait and switch here yeah <laughs> um Which well a and,
0: terrible feeling it's yeah well a fun feeling when you're like why is everything switching and especially when he sounded
1: so supportive it was yeah. so disappointing And then having to switch at 20 weeks, you know, you're like, okay, great. Well, and then the anatomy scan that he did was literally less than five minutes. And we, and we both know that's not an anatomy scan. He pointed out like major features and he didn't look at the spine. He didn't look at the heart. He didn't look at, you know, any of these things. And I was just feeling so uncomfortable with my care. And so I was like, yeah, no, we're, I think I'm going to be done. And then I was interviewing doulas and my doula had asked where this doctor delivered. And I told her and the two hospitals that he delivers at, they have the highest rate of C-section in the area, Mm -hmm. as well as really, really bad reputations for episiotomies. Mm. And then her stories from being a doula at those hospitals just was not great. And so I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to switch now. So, you know, I talked to her about where she recommended and she's like, honestly, like on post, like if you can get back on post, that's Mm going to be the most recommended. But if you can't, which I wasn't able to, the university hospital was going to be the second best place to get the VBAC. Mm -hmm. And so I switched my care. My pregnancy was super uncomplicated again. They, the university, I never saw the same doctor, which I really didn't want, but you know, it, I was just like, whatever, I'm going to do this, whether or not I have a supportive provider. So it's good. Like you're just here to give me prenatal care. And so, I mean, they were definitely more tolerant than fully supportive. Mm -hmm. And they kept saying at every single appointment, they're like, you're going to get an epidural, right? You're going to get an epidural. And I Mm am No, they're like, okay, well, you know, it's just in case. And I was yeah. like, I, yeah, I exactly. hear that a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah. no, um, I'm planning on going unmedicated. And they just kind of, you know, left it. And then we got to about 38 weeks, and my doula had called me and she's like, hey, I just had a horrible experience at UNC. The nurses were really pushing back at everything that this first time mom had wanted. And she just, mm. they didn't treat her well. And it just sounded super, super iffy. She's like, we can obviously still go. I just want you to be prepared that that might be something that, you know, we Could encounter. Yeah. And the whole time I was like, I just want to go to the military hospital. That's, you know, I had my daughter there. I was comfortable with the staff. I really liked mm. their care. And so I was like, you know what? We're just going to go to the military hospital and labor. That's just what we're going to do. And she was like, okay, cool. Like, sounds good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what we ended up trying. So one day before 40 weeks, I went into labor just like super early in the morning. It was like 1.30, 1.30 in the morning. And they were just very odd contractions it was like a roller coaster for 24 hours Mm. um you know they started like 10 minutes apart and then six but then they would bounce around and they weren't consistent at all and that just happened for forever i was just like i just want to be done like
0: i'm tired
1: (laughs) i was so tired and you know i was trying all the things you know like the mile circuit and curb walking and Mm -hmm. you know playing with my daughter and trying to rest and it was just like nothing was working and my doula was like you know do you think it's like a mental block you know like do you think there's something and i was like no like i feel good like the tens unit is amazing and i baked my cake (laughs) Uh, while I was in labor. And I was just like, I don't, I don't understand. And she's like, you got this. Like, it's fine. Like it's going to progress. Just try to rest as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So then it was at 40 weeks at 1:30 in the morning where we started progressing a lot quicker. And so it was about, you know, I was at six centimeters and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to call the doula. And so my husband ended up calling and while he was on the phone with her, they were just getting really, really intense. Mm. And so he was like, yeah, you know, I think we're, we're ready for you to come. And so she started making her way and it was about a 45 minute drive. Mm. And so (laughs) about halfway for her, she calls and she's like, you know, Carly sounded like, you know, she was kind of ready to go. Is she like progressing? And Doug was like, yeah, um, it's getting kind of serious. Uh-huh. And so she's like, okay, like, let's just meet at the military hospital. Let's go ahead and, you know, just, just meet up there. I'll meet in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so we go ahead and make our way over there. It's about 15 minute drive. So it's not, hmm. you know, too bad. And yeah. so she gets there at the exact same time that we do. She, the doula had also let the hospital know that we were on our way. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were already expecting this. So when we got to the L and D, you know, the nurses took me back. They did all of the normal, you know, blood pressure. They hooked me up Mm -hmm. to the monitors. They asked me why I had decided to go to the military hospital and labor. And I, you know, I gave them my whole explanation and they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. They were super nice, very supportive and i had also taken all of my labs with me you know the GPS mm, results yeah. like all of the things yeah. and as well as like i printed out my postdoc report uh, mm. for them to have just like quick easy access yeah. and so Which, they're
0: like side note is always good to have even if you're not ever planning on going to another hospital cuz we never know if a precipitous labor happens or anything but it's really nice and usually providers enjoy having that it makes them it brings comfort
1: Yes. And so that's why we brought it. And, you know, they also had seen that I had been in triage two weeks before because my daughter wasn't moving as much Mm -hmm. and I decided to go there. So that way they could check baby and also have me in the system already. And I had talked to a doctor as well about coming there in labor. And they asked me all the things, you know, like if I knew the risks and benefits of feedback, Mm -hmm. um, just, took some uh, medical history and very supportive. They're like, yeah, absolutely. We don't mind you coming here and labor all. And so I felt so confident. I felt yeah. so confident going in and, so then the nurses had been like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Are you wanting an epidural? Are you wanting an IV? And I was like, no, I don't want an epidural. And I just want a hep lock. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want, I've been able to keep down fluids and everything. So I'm not having any issues with that. So I just yeah. want a hep lock. And they were like, cool. Um, so very supportive, very nice nurses. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, so we're going to go get your support. And so they went and got my doula and my husband, and then they did a cervical check. And at this point, my contractions were three minutes apart and like very consistent. And so when they checked me, I was at four centimeters, 90% effaced and negative one station. So, you know, maybe still up there a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, but they also noticed some D cells on the monitor, but I was like, I was on my back and Mm -hmm. I was so incredibly uncomfortable. My daughter did not want me on my back. Every time I was on my back, it was awful. (laughs) And so, you know, we had asked the nurses, you know, if that was possibility and they're like, yes, but you know, you bought your ticket for admission because of those D-cells and we're like, okay, no problem. That's kind of like, we were expecting to get admitted anyway. So sounds good. And so then they, the nurses were like, okay, we're going to go get the doctor, but I want you to know that he's very military and, you know, we're. You know, me and my husband, and my doula are looking at each other and we're like, hmm, that's what kind of that a mean? weird way to describe a doctor. Um, yeah. Okay, So we were just expecting like very blunt, very upfront. And so while we were waiting, I was just so uncomfortable. So I got up beside the bed by the nurse's station and it was just rocking. But I was having a really hard time with my contractions at this point. And so my doula came behind me, gave me hip compressions. And then the doctor comes in. He doesn't introduce himself. He doesn't, you know, he's not like, hi, how are you guys doing? Literally nothing. He goes over to the doula and just goes, and who are you? Oh. And, you know, the doula introduces herself and he's just going on and on about how she's in the way, just yelling at her. Like you're in my way. You can't be in my way. You can't be in front of medical equipment. And she's just like helping me with a contraction. So he's not even recognizing or caring at all that I'm having contractions. Mm -hmm. um, And that I'm in pain and she's trying to help me. He's just more concerned that she's in the way. And so then she moves beside the bed and he looks at her and goes after the exam, we're going to have a chat. Oh, And, you know, we're like, what is with this dude? Like, why is he being so aggressive? And so then the first thing that he says to me again, just like in a very disrespectful tone, he's like, why are you here? And I'm like, what a weird question to ask somebody in labor, but okay. I was like, I'm in labor. And he goes, no, why are you at this facility when none of your prenatal care has been here at all? And, you know, so the nurse was trying to tell him because again, I'm having contractions pretty often, but no, he wanted all the answers from me. Mm. Um, And so he was just being so aggressive. And I told him the whole explanation that I've already told the nurses. And he's just, you know, and I also mentioned, I was like, man, like you're being really, really combative. Um, You're making me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And he's like, You know i i'm not trying to that's not my intention but you need to understand the position that you're putting me and this hospital in by changing your care at 40 weeks and i was like okay like i'm i'm sorry but like i'm already here and he just goes on for 30 minutes about how you know we're putting him in a precarious position and, you know, we need to understand this and we need to understand that. And we don't have your records. And I was like, dude, I brought you all of my labs and I brought you my post-op report. Like, what else do you want? Like, what else do you need? And so, again, he just keeps going on and on. And eventually my husband was just like, okay, man, what do you need from us? Like, do I need to go to the other hospital and get you records? Can you request the records or can we just move on? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're, we're getting nowhere. And so, you know, the doctor was just like, you need to understand. I was like, dude, we get it. We understand. (laughs) And so after that, he was like, okay, well, I need to see if you're intact, which is a very weird way to say that he needs to check my waters. And so for some reason, I just had, you know, the, the fog and I, I knew that it was a swab, but I just, you know, so I doula's like, it's okay. It's just a swab. They're just going to swab you to see if your water broke. Not a big deal. And mm-hmm. the nurses are like, you know, we're pretty sure that her water hasn't broken yet. And he's like, no, I need to check myself. Mm-hmm. And so they're prepping the swab. And then my doula hears him ask the nurse for lubricant. And I could have sworn that he said something about a speculum, but I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> um, and so my doula was like, "Ah, uh, hey, Carly, um, do you consent to a cervical exam? And I was like, uh, wait, no, 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 I do not consent. I just had one, like not even 10 minutes ago. And so, no. And so then the doctor starts yelling at the doula again. And say, you know, like, stop, you don't give medical advice. And so then I'm having a contraction and he's accusing her of making medical decisions of moving me before she got, or like the doctor came in the room, but he didn't like that. I was beside the bed standing up. Um, And he thought she did that. And so then after the contraction, I was like, dude, no, like she's only acting on my behalf after I've asked her to do something so mm-hmm. like, you, you really need to back off. And I was like, no, I do not consent to a cervical exam. Yeah. And he, you know, so then he explains why
0: he wants to do a medical exam. And I was like, and again, you no. had just had one not long ago. Right. Right. Exactly. When I remember uh little backstory, guys. I was reading this story on social media. And I was when I re- I remember when I was like reading this, I was like, why, why, why? Like every time in my head, I'm like, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to do this? We just, they just did this, you know, like putting myself in your situation. And I'm like, (laughs) it was, it
1: was so aggravating. And the fact that like he was prepping the cervical check without talking to me first, the doula had to mention it. And you're like, okay, well, that's a super big red flag. Thank you for letting me know. Cause if she wasn't there, my husband would have had no idea. Um, and so, you know, so he explains why he wants to do a cervical check again. And I'm like, no, I don't want a cervical check. And so then he goes and sits down, stops prepping any exam at all. And he's like, you know, I'm a really good doctor, but I need to be able to do my job. And I'm like, dude, I already said that you could do the swab to check my water. I'm not refusing your care. I just don't want a cervical exam. Yeah. And so he's like, no, you're refusing my care. I, I have to do both in order to, you know. Make an assessment. Make a de- yeah, make a decision. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm really uncomfortable with your insistence here. I want a new doctor. Mm-hmm. You're not listening to me. You, you don't seem to care that I'm having contractions every three minutes. I want a new doctor. Mm-hmm. And he goes, there isn't one. And I'm like um what he's like yeah i'm i'm it and so then the doula was like okay there has to be somebody on call can you go ahead and call them in and so then he says stop again to her and says i do not engage with you and i was like okay i'm gonna repeat the question can you call the person who's on call please?" And he's like, no, there isn't anybody on the call. It's just me. And the next provider doesn't get in until 8 a.m. And at this point, it's around like four-ish. And so I was like, okay, can I just labor with the nurses? Because Mm -hmm. you're not touching me.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. And And the nurses were being so great.
1: Yeah. Well, and like they kept trying to like interject and like answer questions for me. But he just, he wanted the answers from me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, at that point I was like, okay, dude, just, just get out. Like I just, everybody needs to leave. Mm-hmm. I need to talk to my and my husband. And so, you know, they go ahead and leave and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. I don't, like, I'm freaking out. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's okay. You're fine. We can stay here and deal with this dude. We can go ahead and just leave and go home. Your contractions are probably going to slow down since we're dealing with this or we can just go straight to the other hospital. And I was like, okay, well, let's definitely just leave and like I'm I'm done. And so we told him that we were leaving. And he just seemed shocked. Oh, I'm sure. Just, just completely shocked. And so I was just like, no, I I'm we're leaving. And so then they're like, well, you have to sign out AMA then. And I was like, cool, I'll go ahead and do that. You're not touching me. Mm-hmm. So I, we went ahead and signed the paper and as we were walking out, I'm having to stop every minute and the dude is like, okay, yeah, we've got to go straight to the hospital. And so we ended up in, in my fog, I was like, you know, I forgot my birth plan. So we're going <laughs> to run home real fast <laughs> and I'm going to go get my birth plan, which that turned into an F1 pit stop because, you know, I'm over here just like you know really really low sounding and you know just having a rough time and Doug's like my my husband he's also freaking out he's like we're going to have a car baby like oh
0: yeah i am sure he's just like
1: kind of panicking and so you know he's speeding on the way to the other hospital and we get there and i had never gone in that entrance before i had always mm-hmm. gone in a different one on the back because my prenatal care was with Texas Tech and they're and UMC is just like they're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And so I always went in a different entrance. So the entrance that we went into I had no idea where to go. Oh. And so, you know, I'm over here like I swear about to push and I don't we don't know where to go and this super nice lady who was coming into work was like, "Oh, uh, do you guys need a wheelchair?" and Doug was going to say no. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, I do. And so she gets a wheelchair. She brings us up to triage. And as soon as we get up there and there's a trash can right next to the elevator and I'm just promptly throwing up right next to the elevator, they're trying to get Doug to fill out paperwork and have me sign things. And I'm just kind of dying. Um, And then I need to go to the bathroom, but I didn't need to push. I just needed to go to the bathroom. And so I went in there and then my water breaks and my plug comes out. And so then I'm just like gripping the walls. I'm just like blinded here by contractions. And so they get me into a triage bed and they're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. She is ready to go. She is Fully dilated baby is definitely right there, <laughs> and you know the doula's over here, are like okay, yeah, we we need to switch her beds here, and so like they yeah. switch me into a labor and delivery room. She's like calling all the shots here. She's like okay, because the lights were so bright, and I'm over here like oh man, and so you know she's like okay, those lights need to be dimmed. We need to take this gown off of her. We need. Mm. She was like taking off my tens unit. They're trying to put on monitors, and I'm promptly trying to take them off. Uh, so just being very unhelpful, uh, which I did not care. And so then they were trying to get the monitor on to check the baby. And I was on hands and knees, mm-hmm. which they did not want me on, which I oh. didn't care. And so the duelist kind of trying to help. And so she had reclined the bed so that I could like lean, lean over, over. It, mm-hmm. So that way they could get the monitors on. And so that actually ended up working super, super well. And then i was feeling the need to push and i then i was just like really self-conscious because i was feeling like i needed to poop Mm, and i was just like oh no like this is horrible and she's like no like that's normal like that's fine and i was like no like i i think i actually need to go (laughs) and so she's like it's fine they're gonna catch it don't even worry about it just focus on the baby right now like you're okay and yeah. so she just kind of snapped me out of it and i was like okay we got this and so then i was pushing and they're like no 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 don't push don't push yet the doctor's not in and i was like i'm not not pushing so y'all need to figure it out <laughs> and so then the doulas over here like um yes yeah, she's crowning baby's crowning right <laughs> Oh my gosh. um and so then you know they're just like rushing in and i could feel the ring of fire and i was like okay I need to pause for just a minute because I could feel if I kept going, it was going to tear. Mm. And I honestly loved that I could feel that versus having an epidural and not being able to feel that. And yeah. so, you know, within another couple pushes, baby was out and I didn't have any tearing. I didn't have any issues at all whatsoever. I did not get the Pitocin for the delivery of the placenta and mm-hmm. I didn't have the IV. I didn't have anything just honestly, like the most natural birth, except for the hospital situation, but <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, but no was, interventions, um, mm-hmm. other than maybe a cervical exam here and there. Exactly. So, you know, it, it
1: went super well, honestly, overall. And I was so proud of myself because yeah. I was just like, I did that. And I was able to advocate for myself. My doula was amazing. Mm-hmm. My husband was very supportive. And even though he was freaking out. Uh, oh, I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he told his dad, you know, he's like, it was super, super intense. And, you know, like the last couple pushes, uh, she sounded like a banshee. Um, and then baby was out. And I was like, wow, babe, thank you. <laughs> <Thanks."> <laughs> <laughs> um, that's super sweet okay. of you. But, you know, and the nurses afterwards kept coming in and they're like, okay, like we need to drain your IV and, you know, we need to check your stitches. And I'm over here like, no, guys, I don't, I don't have any of that. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> You're the easy patient. But, you know, that birth, you know, I was able to feel her before she came out and that was amazing. Yeah. And she was, she got right on my chest and the delivery of the placenta was just, it was super easy. And I love that I can remember it and I'm proud of myself. The first thing that I said after birth was very colorful, um, which definitely
0: included, you
1: know, F that doctor, um, uh. <laughs> which we then had to be like, no, no,
0: not you, ma'am.
1: Um, sorry. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I can relate to that one because that's what I said. I said, screw you. And then I named the doctor. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Take <laughs> yeah. that. I. Okay was just amazed over, you know, the, and then everybody that I tell when I'm like, yeah, you know, like I left the hospital at, you know, one minute contractions apart. Yeah. And they're like, Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, I would have rather had a car baby legitimately. I then was not there. Absolutely not. And I was just, I was yeah. so disappointed in the fact that that's what we encountered. And so we had put in all of the complaints that we could possibly put in, and I'm still waiting on the head of OB to contact me. But the doula had a really, really good meeting actually oh. with like the head of OB, a lot of the staff, the provost marshal apparently was in there as well. Um, wow, yeah,
0: how and- did that? How did she connect? Like, how did she go about doing that. Apparently
1: the doulas, there's like a different system for them. I'm not entirely sure, but there's different routes that they can go because they're professional birth workers. Uh, uh Um, so she had contacted the head of OB and then the head of OB was like, okay, like this is really serious. And so I think they just like coordinated together Um, And so the end of that resulted in a giant meeting with all of the obese to basically educate them on what to do when a doula comes in. Oh, wow. uh, (laughs) uh, And that doctor that we encountered has to go to those meetings.
0: Mm. And
1: my doula is teaching it. it's, It's like a class. And so I was like, yeah, man.
0: You're gonna deal with that. Really, that's actually really cool to help that space be a little bit more collaborative. Because Mm -hmm. you know, we I feel like we're a little spoiled here in Utah. Where a lot of people are like, "Well, how do you guys how do do the doctors treat you and handle things with when you're in there?" And usually, you know, nine times out of ten, it's very friendly and it's not hostile like that. But if it were, I think that we would probably want to be doing something like that as well to say Mm -hmm. like, Hey, like we're all here for this patient. Like we are all one team here. We're not here to be combative and create, Mm -hmm. you know, trauma (laughs) emotionally. So that's really cool. That's really awesome. Good for your doula.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's like I'm. I was so proud of her, uh, especially being yelled at uh, yeah. <laughs> by a doctor.
2: Yeah. You know, and
1: she's trying to advocate for me as much as she can, but she also doesn't want security called on her. Oh yeah. Um. You know, so she she's having to kind make of it balance worse. Yeah. Exactly, and so it was just like that was super super odd, and the mm-hmm. fact that I meant to mention it in my story, but he had been quizzing me over VBAC facts. Mm-hmm. And then he was telling me I was wrong, um, oh. and I was just like, "What?" and just freaking out. And she just helped me so much. So I'm a huge advocate for doodless. um, yeah. and having one, and 100% recommend to anybody, yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. Because my husband would have had just no, no idea exactly how to advocate for me in the way that my doula had. So it yeah. was, it was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in I mean there's so many benefits of doulas, but just like what you were saying like he, she helped him too. She helped him through this process. I'm sure mm-hmm. feel more comfortable and at ease with this the things that were taking place, right? Yes. Um mm-hmm. and even that just in, in a, alone whether you know you had a lot of help like counter pressure and stuff like that but Being able to have a sounding board and someone there that you feel is on your team, and it's not you two against one person, I'm sure that helped and brought so much comfort for him.
1: 100%. And, you know, the fact that the doula had also done, you know, some childbirth education with him so that he kind of knew how Mm a baby comes out and kind of the different uh,
0: stages as well. Yes. Yes. And then when you have a provider questioning the facts around VBAC and you're like, you know, saying, well, it's this, and then they're saying no, or they're shutting you down, or they're giving you false percentages, which Mm -hmm. I know is a thing that can be really, really scary if a partner is not educated or doesn't know, um, ahead of time. And so that's another really great pro of doulas is usually they're meeting with you before and counseling and, and going all of those stats. So, uh, I, I just, I remember the feeling like, I literally I was like on the treadmill walking, trying to pass the time because I hate the treadmill, (laughs) reading your story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is just oh, it's so intense. It's so intense. It was
1: it was nuts. And I when I was like trying to prep my husband for the VPAC. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure he just got really annoyed actually by me listening to this podcast all the time. <laughs> and I feel like, babe, you should have heard this, you know, from this mom. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, I can't right. wait until like, you've had the baby because yeah. I'm so done hearing about all of these facts all the time and all these stories. <laughs> and, but then honestly, like it prepared him, you know, he was, yeah. I was like, babe, you know, like this can happen. And so then when we were facing this doctor, he was, you know, he wasn't second guessing me at yeah, all. Yeah. And when I had told the doctor the different things that I knew about feedback, because he mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that I knew, yeah. um, Doug was like, not like she definitely knows this stuff. Like, you know, yeah. she, she'd stout this off normally, but he yeah. was, he was confident and that, that made awesome. me more confident and, you know, my doula being there. So it, it helped a lot.
0: Oh, that makes me smile. I love it. Now you can be like, yeah, now I'm one of those people on the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: He was like, oh, I get to hear this story for like the 35th time.
0: <laughs> I no, it's like that. last time,
1: babe. Last time. Okay. Last time,
0: maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be sharing it for years. You'll be sharing it exactly. years. Oh, Well, I want to talk a little bit about the AMA, the Against Medical Advice form. It is one that, like I said, we don't talk about, and maybe I'm crazy. It it might've been like a year ago, actually, that we talked about it. It's just not one that happens often or that um, people maybe even know exist. And it's not something I want to just give a little side note. It is not something I I suggest always do. Like, oh, I'm just going to sign this AMA, right? Yeah. Like against medical advice form, like they are taken pretty seriously, but when you're in a combative, hostile environment, an AMA may be something that can bring you, well, I don't say bring you, get you out of uh, that experience. And so I, as a doula was at a birth where a mom chose to sign an AMA. So from a doula standpoint, it was really interesting. And I was like, I would have totally done that too. Like as a mom, we were very much in labor. It was very clear that we were in labor, but the like TOCO, the monitor, Mm -hmm. it wasn't picking up the contractions. And so this doctor comes in very rude and says, you're not even contracting. I don't even understand why you're here. And she like looks at me and her husband. She's like, I'm contracting. Like, right. This is, this is a (laughs) contraction. This is what I'm feeling. And we're like, yeah, you're contracting. Like you're, you're contracting. Like you're doing really great. And they're like, we're probably just going to send you home anyway. So you, we can just sit here and wait or, you know, and just was like very rude and, questioning her and pretty much just saying like she's not even in labor and she's uh, she's over the top. And then this one was like oh, one doctor that came in was like, You were just highly sensitive and being over dramatic and saying, yeah, saying things like, you know, maybe you should learn how to cope better because you're not even contracting yet. And wow. all these things and just being really not just talking down and very rude. And she's like vomiting. She's shaky. I mean, she is clearly laboring and she, they leave and she turns to us and says, what other hospital takes my insurance? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I kind of, uh, as a doula, I was like, uh, like I wasn't expecting that, but like at the same time, I should have expected that because of how rude they were to her. And I said, oh, this hospital and this hospital. And she was like, and she ripped out her IV because they had given her an IV for fluids for vomiting, and she ripped, just ripped it out. And is like holding her arm, and is like, <laughs> it's "Let's go." And <laughs> oh, no. I was like, "What?" <laughs> She's like, literally just holding her arm, and I was like, "Uh," and she was like, "I am done." And her husband's like, "Me too." And so they're like getting her dressed, and I'm just like. Man, all right. As we're it, doing as this it now. Do, I'm like, okay, I go where you go, you know, <laughs> okay. and yeah. And she so she's like walking out, and they're like, What are you doing? What are you doing? They're like freaking out, and she was like, I am leaving, I am going somewhere else to have my baby. And they're like, You just said you were gonna even send me home anyway. So I am going home. And they're mm. like, Well, we'll have to have you sign the AMA. And she was like, Where do I sign? Exactly. And then they were like, Oh, but your insurance won't cover this. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. And she said, Well, I don't really care. I'm signing this AMA. We went, we were six and a half, seven centimeters when we got to the hospital, had a baby a couple hours later. Dad caught baby. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. But, but yeah. So AMA, like, what does that mean? It, and it's really just leaving the hospital against a physician's advice before they decide to discharge you and um it says right here in a ncbi which we will make sure that this is in the show notes today if you want to read a little bit more but it says leaving the hospital against a physician's advice may expose the patient to risk of an inadequately treated medical problem and resulted in the need of readmission so that is important to remember that we as parents you you knew that you're signing this form, and we are saying we assume the risk of us leaving because we're leaving against your advice. But I also think it's important for us to know and follow our mom gut. Where if you're like, I'm just going to have you know this baby and and do this, and so you have to think about it. Like I th- I think if you're gonna if you're in an AMA situation, you want to really think about it and you want to weigh out the pros and cons and you want to be educated. Which if you're listening to this podcast, you're. Definitely starting your education because as you mentioned, you learn along all of these stories, but it's just, it's a, it's a big thing. And then it talks about, uh, the article says like the problem with AMA discharges is the prevalence of risk and costs and can formulate recommendations of managing and preventing them on the basis of available evidence. And so that's just so hard because they can, they can say, well, oh, this, this happened because you left or. Even like the cost of insurance, like they can say, oh, well, we won't, we won't do this because you left against our advice. So it's important to, to definitely learn more about an AMA and why you would sign an AMA, but to know that an AMA exists because if you are in that hostile so environment, it's probably not a healthy one.
1: Right. Well, and that was my thing too, is I didn't, I didn't feel safe with this care provider and then being told, no, there isn't another provider. And it's like, you're, you know, I feel like there's going to be so many more interventions and so many things that are going to be done without me consenting, because obviously you've already tried to do that once. I would rather sign the AMA and leave than have you touch me and cause issues that shouldn't have been caused at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, so I think it's important to know it exists, and then you know, know the w- pros and cons. It's just one of those other things. Know the pros and cons of signing an AMA or what that entails, and then having that backup plan. But just knowing it exists, because for this the client of mine, she was like, I I couldn't have stayed there. I I was feeling so anxious, and she was like, I was feeling so triggered and traumatized with what they were doing, what they were saying to me. And she said, the second we walked in to this new hospital, I just truly felt like 100% at ease, 100% at ease. And so it, yeah, it's so, it's so important to feel that comfort, know your options and look at you. you did. You went and you had an unmedicated, no intervention, like a little intervention minus a cervical exam,
1: Feedback. Yeah. And honestly, like, it's been amazing. The recovery has been fantastic. And I'm, I am so proud of me and every mama who's had to be back Mm -hmm. and had to fight for it. That's, that's just awesome.
0: You should be so proud of yourself. Congratulations. Thank you for coming on and sharing this story. And, and I do want to also end with a preface of, you know, we're not here that like the goal of this sharing this story is not to bash an OB or anything 100%. like that. It's not anything like that because these OBs are great. And I'm sure he was caught off guard and he had his stuff, but at the same time, very much acted in an unprofessional way. And, Absolutely. um, so it's, it's important to to know all sides of things. 100%. Absolutely.
2: Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at the slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian and Megan's bios, head over to the Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.